0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the XA Native Quality Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us for this series, where we're talking with industry professionals, from quality coaches to QA managers, about the changing roles of testing and quality. We've been seeing a shift in the industry, where we're moving away from a testing culture to a more quality-centric culture, and we wanted to deep dive into this movement and talk with the people who are at the center of it all. Today, we're going to be talking with Lee Rathbone, who is the Head of Quality Engineering at Gear for Music. Hey, Lee, thanks for joining us. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, and thanks very much for the invite. I'm looking forward to this. Um, Love talking testing, love talking quality, love talking change. So yeah, looking forward to this.
0: Likewise. Should we jump into some questions?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Let's do it. So I wanted to start at the beginning, pretty much, and ask you a little bit about your professional background and how you really entered the world of testing and QA.
1: Wow. So this question is a great question for anybody in quality or testing, because I'm sure you probably know this, Tony, not many people choose a career when they come out of school or college or university for testing or quality. Uh, The term I hear more than anything is people fall into it, so how I fell into it, um, I was working at what's called a greyhound track. Now in the UK here, back in the 90s, we had lots and lots of greyhound tracks, and it's where greyhounds race each other around a track, and I was operations manager at a greyhound track, and I was working every Friday and Saturday night, and I wasn't very happy, Uh, so I spun a coin. In my office one day and i said heads i leave tails i don't and i had no job so i left there well handed in my notice there and then and i had four weeks to find a job um before i actually left so that's how i fell into testing testing came and found me it sought me out uh, i went for a few interviews and one company interviewed me and they came to the conclusion that i would make a great tester i'd never heard of testing before as a, as a job mm-hmm. I had never heard of software development before. I hadn't really used a computer before, in all honesty, Tony. <laughs> so for a company to interview me and take that leap of faith in someone that, you know, couldn't walk, couldn't work his way around a keyboard, never mind what software is, was a huge leap uh, of faith in me, uh, one that I'm very grateful for, because this industry over 23 years has given me so much pleasure, laughter, experiences. I've traveled the world. I'm very, very grateful to those people back in 1998 that took that gamble on me, in all honesty, Tony.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds really nice. And it's, yeah, yeah it's... We have heard a lot of stories like this, where people yeah. kind of jump into it spontaneously, not really even knowing what this industry is. Yeah. And I think that goes to show how welcoming it is. and I yeah. think,
1: yeah, it's brilliant. and i I was twenty six when I entered the world of testing. so i've been I'd left uni when I was twenty one, so I've been working for five years in a mm-hmm. different craft, the 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 greyhound track. And when I entered testing uh, and quality, at the age of 26, I realised I was massively behind everybody else. I entered a world where, back in the day, 1998, the kind of people that worked in tech were the people, the kind of people that had gaming consoles in the 80s and had followed that passion through to computers and then, you know, engineering and coding and and testing. So I was massively behind the curve. But you write that word welcoming. I was made to feel very welcome.
0: So. Fast forward to the present day, could you talk to us a little bit about your current role right now and what your responsibilities look like in regards to quality and
1: testing? Yeah, sure. So I'm head of, uh, head of quality engineering at Gear for Music. Gear for Music, the clues in the name, we sell gear for music. So guitars, anything from orchestra type music to DJ decks, anybody wanting to create music, we sell stuff for them. So my role is quite wide and deep, Tony, Um, so I'll bring that to life. First of all, let's focus on the quality, uh, the the, the QAs that we have. My role is to help them on their journey, um, see what their passions are, see what they wanna go and self-develop in, um, and and help take them on a journey to be absolutely awesome uh, QAs. So that is one aspect of, of the role. The other, oh, and by the way, I don't line manage those QAs. Those QAs are line managed um, by Mm -hmm. the engineering leads. So I work with the engineering leads to help shape the development path for those QAs as well. Mm -hmm. The other aspect of this role is the the quality engineering. What does that actually mean? Well, it means working with the squads. It means working with engineering leads, developers, QAs, to, to help them understand what quality looks like. Um, what does testing actually mean? But more importantly, how can we shift left? How can we start bedding in quality at the very, very beginning of their, their journeys? And that's the other uh, aspect of the role. And and the last one, I, I guess, is a little bit different. There's a third sort of aspect to this role. It, mm-hmm. We have a team called product support and that team deal with live issues that come in. So they're almost like, uh, you know, the, the first triaging of defects. And to be honest, they they fix probably 90 percent of live issues that come through now if you think about that time that's a nice tie-in isn't it because i can help shape the beginning of the journey for quality mm-hmm. and then by leading this team of product support that deal with live issues i'm seeing what sorts of quality issues are being missed and and what's coming back from our users and our users could be internally or there could be external users on our website so I'm getting a really nice handle as to you know what quality looks like at the beginning, but also what's coming back as in things we might have missed and lessons learned so that we can feed it back in again. So it's a nice loop actually, having the the engineering side of it with the squads, the the coaching and developing the QAs, and then of course this team that looks at live issues. So it ties in quite nicely. So that's what the role is.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. Actually, that's the first time I'm hearing of um a company, an organization having this aspect in their quality where there's a team that's truly dedicated to tackling those defects in real time. And yeah. like you said, it really adds a lot of feedback and insights to what could we have missed, finding patterns out of that, right?
1: Absolutely. There's so much to learn. Um, and we're only on our, uh, the beginning of our journey here at Gear Music with how we learn and collate data that then mm-hmm. goes back into the loop Um, you know, to help shape quality at the beginning. So a lot of companies, uh, the squads own the quality from beginning right through to live. So any live issues that come in go directly back to the squad. I think there's a lot of positives in that tone. I think it breeds a lot of accountability uh, and responsibility with the squads about quality. Mm -hmm. Uh, For music, we have this standalone team and it is, you're absolutely right about nailing, how do we get all those lessons learned that they're seeing back into the squads firsthand it's a great observation Tony
0: mm-hmm. and when you entered uh gear for music was it um was there this process already in place this very quality centric process or was it a more um testing centric
1: yeah so I've, I've been with the company six weeks now of which I missed through <laughs> COVID. So I've, I've actually been with the company five <laughs> weeks. So the way I would explain where Gear for Music is right now is there's a hell of a lot of great stuff we're doing before I even join. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's you know the, there's a very strong QA team who are very, very curious. Right. Uh, the, the thirst for learning is awesome. Um, we mm-hmm. had some shift left activities going on, but in all essence, in and in, in in all honesty, Tony. Um, we're at the beginning of this. This real. What does quality engineering really look like? What does it really mean? Um, they've brought me in to help accelerate this mindset mm-hmm. that everybody needs to have. And when I say everybody, I'm not talking about just people working in tech and in the squads. I'm talking about the business as well. And I don't like to differentiate between tech and business because we all are one business. But the you know our business stakeholders and our business teams outside of tech we all need to own quality and the people outside of tech the teams outside of tech there has to be a buy in from them as well around quality and and they need to have an input and have a voice and feed into um, you know what that quality journey looks like we need to bring them on that journey and bring them into demos we need to get them tested you know helping us with feedback loops of which one is testing uh, much much earlier and have regular testing sessions with them so the journey we're on I'd say we're, we've we got some great things in place, Tony. And my role, having been with the company six weeks, is to really accelerate that quality mindset across the whole organization.
0: Mm-hmm. Great, brilliant. And I think I already know the answer to this next question.
1: <laughs>
0: um, but so let's just break it down. So testing and quality, right? This is the subject of this podcast in general. People often mix one with the other. In your opinion, do you think they're the same thing? And if so, how are they related and how are they different?
1: So I think quality as a standalone word um, needs a definition. I do like Jerry Weinberg's definition of quality, which is um, it is um, delivering value to a person. And that's quality. Quality assurance is the process and procedures you put in place in order to deliver that definition of quality. And then I think testing is an activity. So for me, QA and testing are are different things, but testing is actually an activity that takes place um, during that QA process. So what I mean by that is, testing is is reactive, whereas Mm -hmm. QA should be proactive regarding detecting defects and um, preventing defects and putting those preventative um, measures in place and processes in place. Testing is an activity that happens in the software development lifecycle that unearths more information. Um, and I think that's the key thing here. Testing finds information, whereas QA is a process and a procedure. So for me, um qa goes right right back to the very beginning it's all about building in observability and testability Uh, qa for me is about how can we know we're building the right thing uh, and building it right it's right at the exception right at the very beginning Um, even before a line of code is written as people are talking about ideas we should be Asking ourselves what does quality look like? What does the process look for building in a testability um, and, pre- and quality procedures? Um, it's about alerting, logging, monitoring. It's so much more than just testing. And it's all about prevention, whereas testing for me finds information about what the quality it is that we've tried to build in. And I think for me, those are the two sort of differences. Everybody seems to have different opinions on this, by the way, Tony. I think everybody you speak to will give you a different answer and that's okay. Um, I'm not a great believer that, you know, one person speaks something and then the whole industry has to get behind that. For me, the true difference is QA is a process and procedure and mindset. Quality and building it in is a mindset. Mm -hmm. Testing it, it unearths information. It's an exploratory right. task.
0: Right. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, every organization has to more or less define it on their own, right, for what yeah. quality and testing means for them within their organization.
1: Yeah. Just tooks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, Tony, can I just say as well, I think testers, um, we, you know, we have different names for them in the industry, don't we? Quality engineers, QAs, testers, it, you know, these titles. But for me, when you're testing, you, you become a curious explorer, almost mm-hmm. like James T. Kirk going into the unknown in Star Trek when he went on that first five-year voyage into the unknown. I really do believe <laughs> testers and QAs are these fabulous curious explorers and and I think this word curiosity, it's rife in anybody that has the title QA or tester. It's the most beautiful thing and trait I find about our craft is this curiosity gene. It's huge.
0: Yeah, I, I love the way you put it. And to expand a little bit on that, what do you think are some of the most common testing and quality needs or challenges that teams face today, perhaps from experience within uh, your current role or past?
1: Yeah, I think challenges and needs. So I think one of the main challenges is understanding what quality is for the industry Mm -hmm. that the, the team are in. So I'll give you an example. I worked at PlayStation and quality in PlayStation was very very different to the clinical software firm i went to uh straight after playstation i'll get i'll bring that to mm-hmm. life so in playstation the the quality game the game experience was king you mm-hmm. know so what was the experience like the graphics you know so on a screen you could shoot somebody dead in a game whereas i went to clinical software where actually you could physically kill somebody if the software was wrong so we worked on electronic prescriptions so prescriptions are drugs the moment you start doing prescriptions and doing more than one drug you have to know about all the interactions and side effects of two drugs being given at the same time and mm-hmm. that, that aspect of quality is different to the gaming industry which again will be different to ecom, which i'm in right now so i think one is the team needs to understand what quality looks like for them the company their stakeholders their customers and and the tech department i think that's one the other sort of massive challenge i think teams struggle with at the moment is is getting the hands of getting the software in the hands of customers as early as possible i think this is a massive need uh, because that's a feedback loop so i think teams need to get to the point where they've reached their own internal quality but then there's a need and a challenge to get that software to trusted customers. So if we have internal customers here at Gear for Music, that means getting it into the hands of, say, people that work in the contact centre that use our software. But getting it to them at the right time, that's the challenge where we've reached our own internal quality and we feel safe putting it in front of their hands for feedback because feedback loops are king. So I think this shift left and shift right, shift right for me, by the way, Tony, is mm-hmm. is is a number of things. It's it's putting the software in the hands of customers as well as then also having the logging, alerting, and monitoring uh in place and also testing in live. So there's there's several things there. The the other challenge and need is, is understanding how to shift left and what it means to the team and what they're capable of doing. So if you have a team that is building a legacy platform and all they're doing is building on top of that legacy platform. Shifting left, which for those people listening that may not know what that means, it means pushing as many quality-driven tasks to be as early as possible. If if you're in a, a legacy platform, sometimes that's really hard. So unit testing, as an example, Tony. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if we wanna shift left and encourage developers to um, test more and build up their unit framework, well, if it's a legacy platform, that could be quite tough. Because if the if the code base doesn't support unit unit test frameworks, then they can't do it. So I think this is one of the main challenges and needs is understanding how much they a team can shift left and how much a team can shift right. And I think one of the key things for challenges and needs is is out of their their remit so time and leadership. And what I mean by that, Tony, is the biggest challenge for teams regarding wanting to build in quality right now is the time that leadership give them for that. So uh, let's bring that to life. Uh, Black Friday is a date that's set in stone. It's not going to move. It's just like a big sporting event like the Olympics. And I know, sorry, that did move during <laughs> COVID. But what I mean is normally those dates, for World Cups, Olympics, they don't move. Black Friday doesn't move.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. you know, thereby giving teams time to build in that quality when there is a, 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 a deadline that's set in stone. That's the challenging thing for, for teams. Um, so, how do they get the right quality out there? And again, context is king. If you're an ecom, no one dies from ecom software. I would challenge anybody to go online and Google. Has any e-comm software killed anyone? The answer is no. What e-comm software does if it's wrong is it gives the user a bad experience and that leads to loss of revenue. Um, But basically, I think time and leadership is a massive impact and challenge for teams on quality.
0: Mm -hmm. And so on the other side of that, what do you think makes an ideal team who is able to create and deliver continuously
1: quality? Wow, what a question that is. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I've just quickly thought back through time around probably one of the best teams I managed uh, and their mindset around quality. And I think the key thing that stands out for that team is diversity. Mm. So it was an extremely diverse team. And what that brought was, um, I'm not just talking diverse regarding uh, cultural or, or sex, it was diverse with skills as well. So what that brought was different ways of thinking. It brought bravery. It brought um, empathy. Um, so I think diverse diversity, and I know that's a real key thing in the industry right now, but I do think that helps you breed a, a high performing team. And then that can breed a team that thinks about quality. I think the other thing for, for a team that wants to build um, quality, and what does that ideal team look like, Trust. Trust and radical candor. Radical candor is a great book and it's about giving feedback in the moment like you care. So I think if you want to build quality, you're going to have some uncomfortable conversations with each other in the squad, in the team. and I think if you have trust you can have those conversations. Mm-hmm. I think great comes um, also breeds a great high performing team which again I think bleeds into what does the ideal team look like for building quality. Um, as does and I think that this next one's key, responsibility all the teams I've managed that have been great at building quality and have taken that responsibility and what bleeds into that is give the team a clear goal if leadership give the team a clear goal they can then take the responsibility and then start saying we own quality and I know it's a a, a latest buzz phrase in the industry at the moment but for me the ideal team they all know that they all own that quality there is no Mm -hmm. one person there is no Quality bottleneck. It's the whole team, and if there are any challenges, stroke bottlenecks in the team, the team solve it, and they all own the quality. And I think for me, the you know the the ideal team have the the following mantra, which is they get the right person to do the right quality task at the right time using the right tool. And what I mean by that is that could be a dev who knows how to use um, OWASP Zap for security checks and they bake that into the pipeline because they're the best placed person to do that. Most people would say that security testing, I think is security engineering. So I think again, it's this, this right person at the right time to with the right skills, to use the right tool, to do the right quality task. And I think I'm gonna say the word I said previously, the ideal team for me, they're curious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're curious about what that quality means and how they can continuously improve. I do love a saying from um, the the Lean Startup book, and they have this do, measure, learn uh, saying. And I think if you want to improve quality, you've got to do something, you've then got to measure it, and you've then got to learn. And I think if an ideal team, if I close my eyes, they constantly think about this do, measure, learn around quality. And, and I think the last thing I'd say is um, a, a, the ideal team, they love feedback. Uh, they take it, but they do a lot of pairing. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the best performing teams I've seen do pairing and mobbing, pair programming, pair testing. Um, the company I've just come from, pairing was a, a key, key thing for devs and testers. So I do think, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, all of that, if you mix all of that into a bait, uh, into a cake, and those are all the ingredients, you're going to come out with a quality cake.
0: Yeah, I love that you mentioned Radical Candor. It's a great book and just to take it a little bit further, I 100% agree with you and I think also having some visibility into each other's work, right? Between devs and testers, being able to see the work that each other is doing brings out that trust, right?
1: Oh, I think it's it's a it's a word I wrote down here actually transparency. I, I didn't mention it, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm so glad you brought it up because what I've what I've faced here at Gear for Music in my first couple of weeks, and it's it's replicated in all companies I've been to. In all honesty, we we have an automation pack, but the devs don't know what's in the automation pack, and that automation pack, sorry, is at the UI. It's not at um, integration or API or unit level. So one of the easy quick wins here is for us to play back what's in the UI automation packs that the devs start seeing. And the dream is, or the idea is very soon, the devs will start adding to that automation pack themselves at UI. Um, So there's many different strategies I've got going on at the moment, but that is one of them. So transparency, your apps, I'm so glad you brought that up Tony, because it's good.
0: Yeah, and also being afraid to fail, right?
1: oh yes that's a, that's a fantastic one isn't it because that's where the curiosity comes from mm-hmm. you get curious and then you experiment and
0: mm-hmm. then you
1: may have some failings and then you celebrate those mm-hmm. come back and you say right we failed but that's great what have we learned i don't know any software projects that happened without some kind of failures and if you think, right. about, <laughs> think about dyson the bloke who created the dyson vac. When he first tried to create that very first VAC, he had over 5,000 failings in order to get to that point where he went, Eureka, I've created the Dyson vacuum. 5,000 failings, but he said he learned from every single one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And spot on with that Tony failing and celebrating and being transparent around failings is absolutely
0: key. And to take this further um, in terms of quality, it's it's a continuous journey, right? But do you think there are limits on improving quality? Do you think there is a cap on that? Or is it that evolving process that we're constantly iterating? I think to, to answer that
1: question, um, I think I'll start with what limits teams, because I think that's a really interesting. It really got me thinking that. Mm -hmm. yes you you do want to reach an end goal I -hmm. do think what I try to breed is think big but start small start now so when it comes to quality we want to think big but how do you start small start now but there are limits and those limits can be driven by many many things I think mindset limits you getting to that end goal if there is a such thing as an end goal with quality I did write a statement at work yesterday saying there is no end game at all it's continuous and it always goes on but let's talk about what limits it i think it's mindset leadership, mm-hmm. as i mentioned but there's other things it could be the tech stack mm-hmm. you can have the best will in the world to create the best quality code in the world but if your tech stack is is stopping you or if you don't have ci cd tools if you don't have the right automation at the right place then actually you, you could be limited you could be back ending your quality process by testing by a tester And then you're going to be limiting what quality you actually end up with because when they unearth that information it could be that quality simply isn't there so i think what limits quality is is actually really a a really multi-layered complicated answer Um, i've seen tech teams mindsets leadership uh, lack of curiosity the status quo we've always done it that way Please don't change us. I've seen all that come at me regarding limiting quality. Well, here's some feedback for everybody working in tech that's listening to this podcast. If you're not comfortable with change, you are completely and utterly in the wrong industry. <laughs> because technology now, we all know it's moving at a rate that we, it's, it's just mind-blowing, isn't it? And we I don't even know what role I'm going to be doing in five years. It could be a role that doesn't even exist right now. Mm. That's how fast technologies move. And I did present a presentation on Friday around quality at Gear for Music. And I did say in five years time, you know, voice is going to be the new UI. So the UI might not even exist as we know it on a tablet or a laptop or a a mobile phone. It could be that voice is the new UI, uh, the, the new UI, or VR could be the new UI or augmented reality could be the new UI. So when all this does eventually become mainstream, My God, what does quality look like then? You know, so the the limiting factors are are multi layered.
0: Right, right. And for those organizations, like you said, who are, you know, still operating in a more, um, let's say, old fashioned, um, not able to shift left, um, still very testing centric versus quality first what would you say are some practical tips for people looking to create more of that quality centric mindset i think you already went over some of this but
1: yeah again it's a real tough question to answer because Mm -hmm. you need to understand the culture of the company that you're in the journey they've gone on the skill sets of the people the mindsets of the people when I come into gear for music, uh, and I will state again, I've only been with them six weeks, I've had to take all that on board. So I think mm-hmm. my first tip to anybody wanting to come into a company and and change it from a, a testing centric to a quality centric is understand all those things I've just said, because that will allow you to shape what your next steps will be. So here's some of the things I've I've started to do at gear for music, which I hope uh, leads to answering the question. So we're going to create quality champions. Now, what does that mean? So if you find that your company is testing centric, but it's only functional testing, and you're not looking at things like performance or security, then what we're looking to do at Gear for Music is find out who in the engineering world is curious about those areas and give them time to go away and and study, um, give them time to do courses, go to meetups, go to conferences around that area and come back and share share that, those learnings, but more importantly, do. We want them to start doing, and what that means is actually doing security engineering, doing security testing, making us better in those areas. So, quality champions is something I've used at, at many companies, and it's worked really well. Um, you get people volunteering for areas that they're curious about, so you get buy-in. You then get this lovely sharing culture around what they're doing. Which is can only benefit everybody. So I think quality champions, I've just mentioned the word share. Um, mm-hmm. I believe in share, share, share. Share as much as you can around quality. So what I've started doing since I've come in is started sharing as many articles, blogs, you know YouTube videos, anything at all around quality I'm putting into the slap the slack channels uh, without trying to overpower people. I think the other thing, I've mentioned it before, think big but start small, start now. So get to understand what your testers are doing, but then make that very transparent. So so I don't think devs truly know sometimes when you go into a testing centric organisation, what testers are doing. So it's about telling those stories. Tell the story of what the testers are covering right now, because that will make it very apparent as to what we're not covering as an engineering organisation around culture. Um, I think bringing people into talk externally, uh, where they come from a company where quality is the culture and they're not maybe testing centric, is something that's a real quick win. Companies love external speakers. It's something I've done with many companies i have gone in and done lunchtime speaking at a, a number of companies around the Northwest here in England. And I, I think bringing somebody in externally, it's almost like as a parent, you can tell your kids not to do something but the moment they go to school and the teacher says don't do that all of a sudden that teacher I don't know what magic dust they have but the kids just stop doing it and yet (laughs) yet with my kids I can tell them till I'm blue in the face not to do something just ignore me um they just you know they'll go yeah thanks very much dad so I think there's an element of that you need to show them what great or good looks like externally and that's a number of things so there is that sharing Aspects I've just mentioned around articles, blogs, blah, blah, blah. But there's mm-hmm. also we bring people in to give talks. I also think there's something really simple you can do. We've just started it here at Gear for Music and I know people are going to think, oh, that's not new. But it's just something I've tried here, which is pairing, because I think pairing is sharing and sharing is caring. So we're just experimenting with um, a tester and a dev pairing on um, the testing that a dev would do. Mm-hmm. And then, likewise, when the tester comes to pick up what they would normally do, pairing with the same dev. So that's that's something, and I know that's not mind-blowingly new because I know a lot of companies are doing that. But the question was, what would you do if you went into a testing-centric company? So, so that's one. And I do think the testers, if you're in this kind of organisation, have a bit of a responsibility here to be more mm-hmm. transparent around what they're doing. So play back what your test approach is for a story. Play back what you plan to do and why. That playback will drive a discussion and it will drive a discussion with the squad and it could be feedback from a dev that would say, why are you testing that? The risk in that area is minimal compared to the risk in this area you're not contemplating or or thinking about. And those rich conversations. I also think there's a few models that you can bring in, in into play. And again, these aren't new. These are really old models that have been around for some time, but they're quite nice just to visualise and bring in, to drive that, that conversation from testing to quality. And one of them is the Agile Testing Quadrants from Lisa Crispin and Janet Gregory. It's an old model, but it's a visual and it's about driving conversation and getting shared understanding about quality and testing. So that's that's something I always try and bring into each company. Uh, Again, it's about 15 years old, that model, but it's a Mm -hmm. nice little visual. You can print it off. You can laminate it. You can put it onto every story. It's about driving conversation. though. And the other one is the good old testing pyramid, which I know is, is again, about 15 years old. Some people don't believe in it. What I've just done at Gear for Music is I've brought the, 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 the visual up around the automation testing pyramid to drive conversation. My message is always this, Tony, although the automation testing pyramid is a pyramid and it states you should push everything down to be unit, that's not always the case in every company. My message has been try and automate at the right level so we get feedback loops as quickly as possible so we know we're building the right thing. And that could be an integration level. It could be API, it could be messaging, it could be service. But the more it goes up the stack, the more expensive it becomes. So I've tried to tie in a cost there, but I'm not a person that pulls up a, 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 an image or you know, a methodology or a technique and says, we must use this. I try and tell a story behind it and then say, how can we use it in our company to help drive the conversation, the shared understanding, who can test, who's best to test when. Uh, so I, I try. those just some things. I, I think the main thing there is share, share, share.
0: Right, right. And like you mentioned, you know this changing role of testers really into advocates for quality is something that we've been seeing a lot of.
1: Yes, um, the the word advocate it, it it's quite emotive, isn't it? Some people don't know what mm-hmm. that means. Um, I, sometimes I just use champion, advocate, mm-hmm. coach. I think quality coach is the word that most companies are using. But I think advocates, I, I like it for a couple of reasons, because I think an advocate should be, you know, advocate internally for quality, but also externally. And this is something that's gonna push, test, push QAs, testers, quality engineers outside of their comfort zone. I like those people to be advocates internally, but also externally. I like them to go and, and talk about what we're doing, our lessons learned, our failures, how we learn, how we celebrate. So I think the advocate word is powerful, really powerful. And it's a word I see some companies, especially in Silicon Valley, using quite a lot. I think the challenge in the UK, Tony, with that word is, um, and I've had it firsthand at a company I worked at where I started using the term leadership. Again, leadership don't really get the word advocate. They want people who do. I want a tester that runs test cases. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I I started using the word advocate, um, servant leadership for the way I wanted to do my management style, started Mm -hmm. using the word advocates and uh, quality coaches, it didn't quite resonate with the the leaders in the company. And I think this is a major lesson learned for anybody trying to land a quality culture is terminology can be king, So be choose your words carefully, Um, not just with the teams that you're trying to influence at tech level also the stakeholders around you that can can make or break change.
0: Right yeah like you said this this word can be a bit scary to people who are used to like very action oriented um, ways to describe this role but if and when they see that the action is still there it's just wrapped up differently and it's done through different Ways, different channels, and the result is even better than what was happening before. They'll be able to to yeah. see that, and hopefully that's the change we're looking at.
1: Yeah, yeah, you spot on, Tony. I, th- I think what's what's maybe clouded the market a bit around that word is there are some companies, especially coming out of Silicon Valley, that have people with the specific word advocate in their job title. So they'll say I'm a, a, a tool X Y Z advocate, and their job is to go out and build the external community while still working with the squads themselves mm-hmm. to understand what the tool is. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're salespeople; they're genuine advocates. They just want to help the external communities understand more around tool X Y Z. And I think what some leadership people in tech have seen is they think that word or that role is someone that just goes out and, and just goes external all the time all day long. And it's not. Those people will be working really hard internally to understand quality, understand the product, um, you know, influencing people internally around quality. Um, so it, I think it's just become a little bit tarnished by some people's misunderstanding.
0: Mm-hmm. And either way, I think the industry is heading in a really positive light um, towards improving that and towards, in general, yeah. seeing uh Testers and QA people in a much different light, right? There's a lot more focus on that. And what do you think about that?
1: Oh, I've got a controversial statements. Sure. Which is good, isn't it? Because when this goes out, you don't want it to be all plain sailing. You mm-hmm. do want some controversy in here. So I, I believe, and it is only my belief, Tony, that around about five, six years ago, I think there was a thinning of testers qas in numbers what i mean by that if i just go back to when i joined testing and quality it was and it was y2k that sucked me in and i think y2k what that did was leaders saw that if you employed more testers you found more defects so testing teams just got bigger and bigger and bigger and then around about 2015 i think there was a turning point and it ties in with the cloud becoming mainstream, CICD pipelines. And I think there was a thinning and a, a reboot uh, in the industry around what the the tester stroke QA, quality engineer role was. And I I know this for a fact because at the very group where I worked, there was 100 testers when I joined in 2015. And when I left, there was 40. So I saw it firsthand and I saw it in other companies. But I think you're spot on. It's been a good thing, this, by the way because it has led us very, very nicely to know what the future is for QAs and quality engineers. And it's about understanding the infrastructure, understanding the cloud, being able to read code, being able to pair with devs for for unit checks and integration checks, being able to maybe do a little bit of automation. Um, I'd almost summarise it as having a metaphorical toolbox that they carry around with themselves And they can pull out the right skill, the right behaviour, the right um, um, uh, skill at the right time, depending what situation they're in. And I think this metaphorical toolbox is nice, isn't it? Because if you think about a a carpenter that comes to your house, they always seem to pull out the right tool to do the job that they're facing. And this is where I think this thinning and rebooting of uh, testers and QAs in the last five years, I think that's that thinning has stopped now, by the way. I think now we've got to the point where a lot of people have left the craft that maybe weren't, you know, weren't weren't keen to stay and follow this new journey. And we're left now with people that know what the future looks like. They know it's about self-development and upskilling. They know it's about adding more value than just running a test. They know there's going to be a little bit of automation in there and looking at APIs and looking at messaging and maybe pairing with devs on unit. They know it's about quality coaching. So I think you're right. There's been a little bit of a reboot. And I think now we're we're looking at a very, very exciting, positive future for anybody entering this craft.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. It's really an exciting, also challenging time. But I think it's a lot to look forward to. I think this is a perfect place to wrap up, actually.
1: (laughs) Superb.
0: Lee, this was amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today.
1: Thank you, Tony. I really enjoyed it. And, and you know what? It was quite challenging as well, thinking about some of the answers for those questions. A really good question. So thank you, Tony.
0: Yeah, of course. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We know you will. And thank you again for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on the X-Ray Native Quality Podcast. Thanks, everyone.